welcome to episode 189 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast. My name is Paul Hirons. Welcome along. We're uh, top of the, well, I was going to say top of the morning, but top of the evening because we're still basking in that uh, Bengals victory over the Saints yesterday. How about that? Uh, another absolute heart pounder. Um, yeah, well, ooh, another tight finish. I'm not sure how my blood pressure is going. Uh, Nathan, are you feeling uh, your blood pressure to be fairly stable? I'm feeling extremely energised and galvanised by that win, son. You know, if we'd lost that game, it would have been a really, really bleak podcast today, I think. And staring at two and four would be very difficult. You saw on the broadcast, the odds of making the playoffs... Um, for teams going two and four, ten percent, which obviously you wouldn't fancy your chances too much of that. Um, by no means the season would have been lost, but three and three, joint top of the AFC North. Burrow looked the best he's looked this season. Um, Jamar Chase really showed off a bit, didn't he? And really enjoyed his homecoming. So all in all, I think we can sit there and feel very, very positive this morning, this evening, this afternoon, whatever you want to call it. No, I know, I know what you mean. It's like. I always thought we would have a chance to win that game, even though that we were down pretty much for um, the entirety of that game. Uh, you know, I always thought there was a chance because, again, we've seen this team pull victory from the jaws of defeat uh, so many times, and um, and it was it was a tight game. It was. It was actually, you know, quite a fun game to watch. Some really good defence, some great uh, running by the Saints. And then, of course, you had the Burrow and Chase show, but lots more as well. Yeah, I thought it was a really interesting uh, game. But, yeah, uh, we had to pull it out of the bag again, didn't we? We absolutely did. And it's one of those games where if we'd lost it, and Burrow throws a pick on that last drive, or frankly, if Andy Dalton nails um, Jawan Johnson or Marquez Callaway down the sideline at the end there, and the Saints win that game, you're fuming. And I don't think you look at it as positively. I know they were better yesterday, and I know that you'd say, oh, Joe Boy had a good game, and three touchdowns, 300 yards, ran one in as well. Um, for all your fantasy owners that have got him, you'll appreciate that performance. But it's, it wasn't a complete performance. It was probably the worst game the defence has played this year looked very sort of, um, you know, really not like that great against the rush. You know, Alvin Kamara had, you know, a yard short of 100. Ingram had 46 as well. They had that end around for 44 yards. Taysom Hill had some good runs. So, you know, to give up 230-odd yards on the ground rushing, that's not ideal. You know, against a pretty meek offense, you'd have to say, with the Saints. They're missing a couple of guys with Michael Thomas and... Um, Olave's out as well. I have. I can't remember how you pronounce this. Olave yeah. or Olave? Olave. Olave yeah. I've never said his name out loud Olave. before. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> but yeah, with him and Mike Thomas out, you know, it's obviously their quarterbacks out as well. Winston. So it, you, you would have quite liked a bit of a better performance from the D there. But look. All I'm trying to say is, you know, you win by four points. What are you trying to say? What are you trying to say? I'm just trying to say that <laughs> cap the – I mean, whenever you get a win, you're buzzing. You see the, you know, the the sort of really like the glass half full situation. 
in actual fact, it was still a bit jittery. It, it, there's still some questions to be asked. It was a bit flat, you know, that the sort of coming out the gates again. But a win is a win. It's a vital win. And it moves us to three and three, joint top of the AFC North. And I do think it's slow, steady, but we are improving. I do think we're getting better. I do think you're starting to see sh- uh, signs of this team sort of moving forward, which is vital. Um and much needed. So, yeah, an interesting game, I think. Interesting game. I like that. I like, it was an interesting game. Um, and people uh, that we know were there. And once again, the fan presence in terms of Bengals fans in New Orleans was just incredible. It looked... I mean, New Orleans has always been on my bucket list, I have to say. And I was extremely jealous to see Andrew Dockerell and uh, Scott Gibb and Vicky out there enjoying the festivities with the likes of Bengals captain and Hubei and Sarah Lees and Bengals Whitney and all these familiar faces and then suddenly they rock up at the Player Hotel and have their photographs taken with Lael Collins and Lou Anarumu and all these sort of guys, you know, it just it was just like... Uh, and Dockers has just been supplying a steady stream of what he's been eating... Do you know what he had today, Nathan? Go on. Fried for breakfast, I think. It could be breakfast. Um, or it could be lunch, actually. I'm not sure. Fried chicken with strawberries. <laughs> that I mean, sounds like something you would have in the South, doesn't it? Blimey. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, but, yeah, Dockers looks as though he's having a great time. Um, he's wearing beads. Um, New Orleans, has that ever been... Uh, interesting to you yeah i think so i think that's on the list of somewhere i'd quite like to go um i've heard good things i don't know too much about it if i'm honest i know it's a good nightlife scene and um and it's quite like a passionate and enjoyable place to go and they'll mardi gras um, exactly i love all that dixieland uh jazz shiz yeah, uh, I, I, do, I do quite like a bit of jazz music, my son. Yeah, um, those sort of uh, all those parades as well look incredible. There's like a really sort of distinct culture down there, isn't it, in New Orleans? And um, lots of Cajun stuff going on, lots of French stuff, some, you know, as you say, all the Mardi Gras stuff. Oh, I want to go, Nathan. I want to go. Maybe next time um, the Bengals play, which I guess have been like four years. Um, I may go to that, um, I think. I'll see you there. All right, let's do it. Let's uh, Cincinnati takes New Orleans uh, in four years' time. How about that? Right, OK. Time for some... Reaction. OK, so... Uh, the Bengals 30, the New Orleans Saints 26. Um, the Bengals had a much better second half. They were 20 points to 14 down uh, at half time. And um, it was a bit of an iffy half, wasn't it? I mean, the Saints started quite nicely. Trent Taylor inexplicably fumbled that punt. Uh, <laughs> Do you know what? Trent Taylor, right, as he was running that <laughs> pump back, yeah. I was thinking to myself, I was like, oh, on Cincinnati on, on Monday, 
I'm going to make the point that Trent Taylor, low-key, has been very reliable. He's been, he always seems to get a good return, you know, n- never anything crazy, but always, I think, above average. Yeah, I quite like him, yeah. Mr. Reliable. Then literally, I literally, as I was thinking it, I was like, I'm going to make that point on my day. The ball flew out. You couldn't make it out. Oh, mate, he, he wasn't even hit. It just squirted out, didn't it? It was just like yeah. someone had rubbed that ball in... Uh... In uh, I don't know what something greasy, um, and uh, yeah, that was a bad start. The offense it was a bunch of three and outs. The run game, as you mentioned earlier, from the Saints was starting to get going. Dalton was hitting passes. He looked pretty sharp, or as as much as Andy Dalton can and is these days. And that's not meant as a slight, because he's a very good functional NFL quarterback uh, still. I think. And you kind of thought, oh, goodness me. And then we went down further in the second half. and, oh. and But then something clicked. Um, what, let's, let's talk about the offense first, because there were moments in that second half, right, that they were just slicing and dicing the Saints. Um, I know Lattimore was out. That's a big loss for them. Um, but... Um, some incredible scenes. And it really did remind me of last year when they just used to march down the field about three or four plays and bang, you know. Um, they really seem to have figured stuff out. Well, the, the, do you know what's interesting? Is they, I was talking about this a couple of weeks ago and they did this last year and they did it a bit in Joe Burrow's first year. They, they start to move towards just like, let's just throw it. And I don't know whether or not they just haven't been using Burrow as much in the first five, six games because of his appendix injury and because he didn't play much preseason or anything like that. But towards last year as well, they did the same sort of thing. They sort of limited him a bit the first few games. They tried to get the run game going. And for whatever reason, at some point, they just thought, sod this, we're just throwing it. And yesterday, you know, 37 passing plays, 14 running plays. Um, just a massive shift to let's just throw the ball here and let Joe Boy play. And it absolutely worked. And the run game in isolation, you know, very small sample size between Joe Mixon and Samar JP Ryan having 10 runs between the two of them, you know, way down on what we've seen in the past. But it it did work. It, it was a bit stop-start at times. And I do think this offense, it, it almost reminds me of like, a bit of a lazy world-class football player that just <laughs> turns it on when he needs to. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like they almost just like, well, you know, oh, I can't bother this. Oh, I don't know. But if they need to turn it on at the end of games when it matters, Joe Boy kind of says, oh, yeah, go on then. I'll, I'll, I'll have a bit of a play, won't I? And when, when he got the ball yesterday, I sort of thought to myself, I'm not even that worried here. I just feel like I know he's going to make plays. I know he's going to put us in position. He did it against the Steelers. He did it last night. I just, I do back him when, you know, he's in a difficult situation, back to the orbit. Like, that's where he's at his best, when he needs to be. And he did that last season. You know, the start of the year, you know, you think, bloody hell, we're getting absolutely beaten up by the Jets and, you know, in, in shocking fashion. But then when we're against the Chiefs and we're against the Titans in Tennessee and we're against the Chiefs in Kansas City, Joe Boy just decides to turn up and play. And that is the mark of a world-class player is that he, he can do it when it matters and he's got those extra few gears. And last week and the week before, I was, I was sitting there thinking to myself, I was like, I hope this team's got an extra gear or, you know, because it's starting to get a little bit worrisome. But... That to me yesterday, I think from Joe Boy, like he's playing 
his best football when it matters. And I do think there's at least one more, probably two more gears from this team where they can really push on. So very encouraging yesterday, I think, that um, he was able to sort of pull that out when it mattered the most. Yeah, I agree. I, I do think there's a bit more to it than just, hey, let's throw it more. I do. There, there. I mean, there's a, been a lot of chat about this kind of operating from the shotgun, which obviously Burrow... Uh, prefers much better, and I think it's crazy stat. They went out shotgun from like fifty-two out of fifty-four times last night, or so, snaps rather last night, or whatever it was. But at an extremely high percentage, and they're out of shotgun, and they were sort of doing running out of shotgun as well, which we sort of bemoaned in the past. But they seem to be doing sort of more RPOs and checks, and uh, and they're really starting to get to grips with how to move the ball against kind of you know two uh high safeties and um they look i mean i say they sort of a couple of drives last night they just sliced through that saints defense again which was very reminiscent of uh of uh of games last year when they were they were firing on all cylinders and of course as we said last last week uh you know um the run game, Joe Mixon in this week, eight carries for 45 yards. Again, not spectacular yardage, but 5.6 yards a carry, crucially. And that felt like just enough to put the defence on on high alert. So, you know what I mean? They they were forced to, uh, to come more into the box to stop Mixon. Um, and, but yeah, as soon as that happens... Uh, Jamar Chase is isolated and we all know what can happen when Jamar Chase is isolated and that's a big play and uh, you know he is the yak king isn't he Jamar Chase and he turned a couple of short passes into long gains last night and certainly his second touchdown of the uh, of the, the game winner it was almost like a walk off game winner wasn't it let's face it um was just incredible. Again, the the acceleration and speed. Just he made one guy miss, and then whoosh, he was gone. It was just incredible, and uh, I just hope that gives everyone confidence because it was tough last night. You mentioned that the Saints had a bunch of people out, and they did, and they had no right really to play as well as they did on offense, you know. But they came up with a really. I'm going to give the Saints a lot of credit. They came up with a really nice game plan yeah, and just agree. ran the ball down our throats and ran it very well. And, you know, they were going on immense long drives and you kind of think, when the hell are we going to get the ball back? Um, yeah. And when you well, I mean, in- they, they ran the ball with 34 carries, 34 carries between them for 6.7 yards a carry average. Yeah, that's, that's like college amazing. football, those sort of yeah, stats. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like... Really impressive. <clears throat> but in games like that, when you don't get the ball very often, it means that um, you've got to, each possession that you do have, you've got to take full advantage of. So that the, the margins last night were really, really thin. It wasn't back and forth. It wasn't like they have a go and have to punt, and then we have a go and have to punt, then they have a go and score three points. We go, you know, I mean, it wasn't tit for tat. It, there was a lot of tit. Uh, Nathan last night and only a bit of tat uh, or maybe it's the other way around I'm not sure um, do you know what I mean so what you really they really this is I think what impressed me most last night they really had to make their very few possessions count 
and uh, they did. They really did. And, uh, yeah, I take my hat off to them because they had to dig deep. Like you said, the defence wasn't great. We'll get onto that in a sec. But uh, it was like the offence stepped up to the plate and how many, you know, it was the complete opposite of what's been happening recently. Uh, 100%. And Joe, I loved yesterday as well. A bit of a random one. I saw on. today on the old next-gen stats or whatever it was, um, talking about who was quickest to go on either team yesterday in terms of measured speed. Joe Burrow, on his touchdown run, was going about 18.5 miles an hour yesterday. I mean, you, you some low-key skill with Joe Boy is that he has got that that ability and that speed. He doesn't necessarily run the ball on his own. There's not, he doesn't have many designed runs. You certainly don't want a geezer like that, as I said before, getting it over and stuff. But yeah. that other play yesterday as well, where that one where he sort of, tur- you know, he curled round and two Saints players sort of hit each other. Oh, over, man, alive. And then he came was, back through, oh. run back through, climbed the pocket and then got the ball off to, I think it was um, Hayden Hurst for the first down. And, you, you saw a lot of that last year. There were some exceptional plays from him extending the play. And I know he gets a lot of criticism for like, well, he holds the ball too much. And that's why he gets sacked more often. That's obviously the counter argument there. But that yesterday was class to keep the drive alive. And you want to start seeing a bit more of that um, from him, getting, you know, evading the pocket and getting out there. So massive fair play to Joe Boy yesterday. It was, it was by a long way um, the best performance this season from him yeah he was much more accurate he looked much more in control his confidence was really high obviously i really detected some some intensity and urgency with the offense whenever they did get the ball in the second half and um and that doesn't mean like going no huddle or whatever. It was just like the way they were approaching the line, the look in Joe Boy's eyes, you know what I mean? It just felt, a, 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 like you say, they'd gone up a gear in intensity and um, and that was good to see. It was almost like, right, we, we've got to do something now. And, of course, the play calling, the, I can't remember any real contentious play calls yesterday. So Zach and Brian had good games and, uh, you know, the, yes, it was a bit sticky in the first half, but... Um, Certainly, second half. It's uh, and you know what I was thinking um, on my journey back from work, as I often do, Nathan, about you and uh, this podcast. Um, I think this time last year we were sort of debating the same things. Are we a good team? We're not quite yeah. sure yet. Yeah, yeah. It feels like a carbon copy of last season, and of course, if yeah. that plays out exactly. Uh, well, maybe not, not quite exactly, but if it plays out more or less the same as last season, I don't think any of us are going to complain. But it is a team, again, that's been, how shall I say this, struggling to, knowing they're talented, knowing that they've got everything going for them, but just finding that balance of, you know, the the right plays and the confidence and the momentum and um, it felt like that. They're just trying to bash a door down and they're not quite doing it. But I would say the door is ajar, Nathan, now. I think they've they've managed to kind of kick it through a little bit. I agree. The talent's there. We know that. We believe that. You know, it's one of those things where on offence you've got what I think we all believe is a top 10, quite possibly, quite probably a top five quarterback in Joe Burrow, you know, on his day. 
Um, you'd say that Jamar Chase is a top wide receiver, you know, a real elite talent there. You'd argue T Higgins is right up there as well for us. Number two wide receiver, exceptional player. Um, so you've obviously retooled the line and on your defense, there's some fantastic players on there. DJ reader, you know, you've got Jesse Bates, you've got, um, Logan Wilson, uh, the corners we've spoken about, at, um, at length, Trey Hendrickson was incredible pro bowler last year. So you've got the talent across your team to go all the way. I think everyone believes that. And that's a serious statement to make, but I, I really believe it. Um, it's just, can it all click and play at once? Because, We've not seen a complete game from this team yet this season. I don't think we've seen close to a complete game from this team uh, this season where they just absolutely on both sides of the ball were consistent and they work through and they really do a number on a team. The, the offense was good yesterday, but I wouldn't say it was any better than good. Um, I think that 60-yard pass to Chase at the end really sort of, um, you know, you'd look at that and say it really sort of added um, some gloss to it. But... Otherwise, you've been outscored yardage-wise from the Saints with Andy Dalton at quarterback. That's not ideal. Granted, it's on the road, but still, you, you don't you don't really want to be being outscored yardage-wise by that, um, by that sort of um, the talent on the Saints team. So, it was good. Defense-wise, it wasn't good. It was the worst game the defense have played yeah. all season. And to be honest, I'd say it was the first bad yeah, game or anything very... close to bad that the defense has had this season because up until now, they've been fantastic and they have played really well all season but if the defense played as we know it can and obviously logan wilson went out of the game yesterday we know we're missing dj reader etc but if we if the defense play as we know they can i mean you've got some serious talent there and you can i think really go at it with the best of them you know with kansas city with buffalo with some of these um you know with philadelphia some of these teams out there at the moment i absolutely think we're capable of that if we get the the best out of both sides of the ball so um, but I know, obviously, son. Yeah, I know you want to have a chat about the defense. Are you, are you concerned at all? Are you do you just think you put it down to a bad day at the office, or do you think there's anything deeper there? Well, Zach Taylor, as we're recording this, is giving his Monday press conference, and people are asking um, for an update on DJ Reader's health because uh, he's been seen on the rehab field in recent days, uh, and Zach has not given uh, a concrete answer. He has saying that he's progressing but he's not predicting a timeline for his return but what he's done what he did say and I think it's a neat segue into what we're about to talk about DJ Reader is irreplaceable he's one of the premier defensive tackles yeah. in the NFL and uh, I think his his uh, absence is really felt um, yeah yeah not just in the run game it's easy to say that but he does get a lot of push you know when it comes to the passing game as well and um you can really well, see his absence and then also you lose josh tupu he's his backup his deputy and um that's trouble yeah i mean no i'm not worried um I d eli apple had a strange game last night and i wonder if going going back to new orleans and just taking loads of shit from the fans was playing on his mind a little bit in coverage, he wasn't great, but in the run game, he was pretty spectacular. That hit on Taysom Hill. Yeah, holy yeah, Toledo moly. Moly, holy Malolido. It was incredible. Um, so it mixed back. Cheeto whiffed badly on the touchdown there. Some, you know, bad tackling going on. Uh, Trey Hendrickson with one of the daftest roughing the passer calls I've ever seen. Infuriating from Trey, who should know better. 
Um, too many times we were getting outmaneuvered in the first half, I thought. And yet, saying all that, this defence is still to give up a touchdown in the second half. They yeah. didn't give up a touchdown. And when it really, really mattered, there was a lot of bending last night, I thought. Um, when it really, really mattered, you know, incredible plays from BJ Hill. Uh, Jay Tufeli, um, you well, know, came from... Give it, I was going to say, shout out to him. Yeah, like, he's come he really out of nowhere, thought, really. Absolutely, fair play to him. And, um, you know, Hubbard was all over the place, as you would expect. Hendrickson made amends by knocking the ball out of Dalton's hands uh, right at the end there. So, you know, they did, they really stepped up when they had to, uh, which, again, it feels like we're repeating ourselves. That, again, the defence, you know, they they bent and not broken. They come up with big plays when they absolutely need to, when the game's on the line. Um, so that tells, I mean, I would imagine Lou is going to kick their asses big time and lay, lay into them a little bit because certainly in that first half, it patently wasn't good enough because, as you said earlier, we're playing Andy Dalton. We're playing a team without their um, big threat wide receivers. Um, we're playing a team that can only generate offense in one realistically meaningful way, and that's on the ground. Yep. And yet we're missing tackles. We weren't, you know, plugging those gaps very well. Again, just being outmaneuvered, and again. You know, I, I said it on Twitter, in lose half-time adjustments we trust. And, you know, they still made some big chunk plays in the second half, but they didn't let them in for a, a touchdown, So, which is, you know... Yeah, as yeah. Long as no, you win the game. So, no, long answer, but no, I'm not too worried because we've seen what this defence can do. The only... I mean, we do miss DJ Reader. There's no, no, I there's agree. no shadow I, I, completely, I completely agree. I, the thing with DJ Reader is I'm not worried about him being out at the moment because I just want him to come back healthy. I was just desperate when he went down that he wasn't gone for the season because, as you said, he's an absolutely vital cog in this defence. He makes so many things happen. And even if he comes back, this part of the season when you've got teams like the Falcons, you've got the Browns without Deshaun Watson, you've got the Panthers, like those games we should be able to win without DJ Reedy. You know, we, we've got to put wins on the board and, and pick up points. We want DJ back for that back end of the season, hopefully a long playoff run. You know, they're the games that you're going to need him against the Bills and the Bucks and the Patriots and the Ravens. That's where we need him back. I'm not worried if he has to take a few extra weeks, really get himself right before he comes back. But I think the, the one thing from the defence that bothers and worries me a bit is the pass rush. And Jay Morrison... Um, Get was um, he was doing an article the other day with the other beat writers from around um, the AFC North, just talking about um, what they might need coming up to the trade deadline, um, and if, had, if teams might be looking around. That he was saying, look, I really think that there's room here for the pass rush. You know, that's the one area of the defence that mm. potentially is the weakest. And you look at the pass rush <laughs> and what the Bengals have generated, and of teams that have played six games, you know, excluding the teams that have only played five on bye weeks, the Bengals are second last in number of sacks with just nine. Um and you look at Trey Hendrickson, he leads the team in sacks with two and a half in six games. And you think how well he did last year. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. those two and a half sacks were only in what were all in one game. So he's had 
realistically five games without a sack out of six, which is a little bit of a concern. And whether that's because DJ Reed has been out and he disrupts stuff in the middle and that frees other people up, that's one side of it. But you look at people like Joseph Asai, who people really thought was going to, oh, he could be a big addition this year. He's not got any sacks. You know, you've got BJ Hill's done well and got a couple from the tackle, defensive tackle, but Sam Hubbard, one and a half. Cam Sample's got one, but you are struggling a bit and God forbid if anything was to happen to Trey Hendrickson, you know, I think you'd be pretty nervous in terms of what's behind that in terms of your pass rush. Because Sam Hubbard's great. He's an incredible motor. He's great in the run game. He's got he's developed into a real old old mother has really developed into a fantastic player, I think. Just a complete leader, work ethics fantastic, but he's not gonna get you fifteen sacks a season or really realistically ten. So I do think that, you know, yeah, camp samples all right, but I do think that if you're looking at the trade line for the Bengals, and you've got, I know we're three and three, you know, it's a long way to go, but you've got to be thinking that, like I said a million times, we've all said it, this is the year, really. We've got everything in place. We've got a very, very good team. And if the Bengals do want to go out there and say, look, we're willing to go and start giving up some late round picks for guys on teams like the Panthers that are just not going to be in contention, then I think there's there's got to be conversations to be had there. You know, you saw Robbie Anderson today, um, being traded to the Cardinals for a few late round picks. And that's the other area, I think, for the Bengals, if we're going to talk about the trade deadline super briefly, is a is a quick receiver. You know, someone that could come in in that receiver yeah. number four position that's out of favour, that's got a bit of speed, you know, downfield to open, the, open up the passing game a bit, you know, when needed. Um, but well, the if, the, if, the Panthers, me... if the Panthers, you know, if the NFL teams are pouring or circling around the Panthers like a bunch of vultures. Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, and they are going to have a fire sale, then, uh, you know, Brian Burns might be an interesting yep, shout. Yep. But, you know, look, you look at, you know, obviously everyone, all eyes were on, uh, apart from our game, the Bills and the Chiefs. And you look at, you know, the impact that Von Miller's having on the Bills again. You know, exactly, what, yeah, yeah. You know, that just need a bit of a, maybe an extra spark. But then again, that defence has been playing pretty well all season. And, um, but yeah, maybe just an injection of a little something razzly-dazzly and a bit of... Well, you look what the Rams did before the trade deadline last year. They went out and got some players. They really tooled up and went for it and it worked for them. And I'm not saying... You have to do it. But like I said, it's our year. It's, it's We've got a real chance here. And I think if you were to add someone um, from around the league that could really come in and play at a very high level immediately on a bit of a loan deal, end of the season type job, even if you have to overpay, whatever it might be, I don't think now's the time to be sensible. I think now's the time to be super aggressive, bulk up. And, you know, when DJ Reader does come back, you've got an incredible pass rush as well to back up that fantastic secondary so I do think it might be an area the Bengals want to consider because like I said God forbid anything happens to Trey Hendrickson and I'm I'm worried I'm worried then interesting so I mean I think we're both in agreement I, you know it was quite impressive the way they dug in last night and yeah. um, I'm talking about the defense specifically here but the whole team you know the offense clicked in the second half looked good on the on the very few possessions that they have, and the defense made plays uh, when it really mattered. And again, uh, that feels like last year all over. Now, are, are we going to be? Is that kind of formula going to be enough this year to get it to the playoffs? I I don't know. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. But um, 
But there we go. Another win in the bag. And, you know, with the Ravens losing as well and the Browns losing, uh, again, you know, it's it's it, it's not... A, it's not, the landscape in the AFC North is still, you know, favourable for us. So, um, as you say, we enter a, an interesting run of games. Um, Just a quick question for you, Sam, as we're sort of getting close to... Um, the correspondence, just something I, I, I wrote a few notes down as I always do. And I thought, you know, I'd pick your brain on some things. You talk about oh. a trade deadline. Do you think Jackson Carmen could be on these other, on the other way out? I mean, he's not even dressing at the moment, is he? I know it's not a real big point, but if someone comes floating in there with like a sixth or a seventh round pick for him, would you just get rid of him? Yeah. But it's all, it's all about whether the Bengals will, you know, admit that they were wrong with Jackson Carm. I mean, I guess you could argue quite uh, uh, validly that the fact that, you know, a second round pick isn't on the active game day roster, isn't even a backup, isn't even really challenging a starting position. That's an admittance of failure with Jackson Carmen. Yeah. So, yeah, yes, I would. I don't think he's doing anything good. I mean, I can't see what's going on behind the scenes. I'm not sure what he's like on the practice field. I don't know whether he can be asked or not. I don't know whether he's putting in the work or not because we, you know, we're not we're not party to those uh, practice. I guess I'm guessing you would. You'd move him on, would you? You'd deal him. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I I just don't like what I've seen from him. I don't think. I mean, I don't think anyone would even probably give you a sixth or a seventh either. I think that's why the batting, if someone came calling Gray, I mean, maybe a team looks at him and, you know, the Bengals saw something in him to say, look, let's draft him fairly early on. And in the, the second round, um, I'm sure there's other teams out there that would have had him on their board and um, whatever else and may think that he could be a great reclamation project for yeah, them. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, the, the question is, do you need the seventh round pick? Is it that important to you this year? Would he actually provide some sort of decent depth if someone was to get hurt? Maybe it's hard to say, isn't it? But yeah, I just think it's, it's disappointing considering that, you know, the effort that you put into a second round pick, you, you'd like to see a good player come out of that. And Well, we've also um, got to consider they picked up Max Sharping in free, you know, off the waivers. Yeah. Who is, who's got plenty of NFL starting um, experience. But it's just the fact, I think someone mentioned that actually, the fact that Cordell Volson is playing for a rookie pretty well, you know what I mean? Uh, so I'm surprised that Sharping hasn't seen the field at all. But those two guys, uh, in, you know, left guard, kind of means that, I don't know, man, uh, Carmen doesn't look, uh, his future doesn't look bright in Cincy, does it really? No, it doesn't. And I mean, Cordell Volson, I, I, I like the fact that he's getting those reps. And I mean, it's not like he's lighting it up. I mean, his, his PFF grade is 50.4. And I'm really not sure how much I really take from PFF grades these days. But I think, you know, it depends who you listen to, doesn't it? On Cordell, his PFF grade isn't great. But then people give you all his other grades on pass blocking stats versus run blocking versus... yeah. X, Y, and Z. But, I mean, to the naked eye, the line looks better. You know, Burrow isn't getting hit yeah, as much. Yeah, I thought Leo Collins improved. was good last night. Um, yeah, exactly. The penalty, there's not many penalties. Uh, no, you know, you didn't no. get a lot of holding and full starts last night. So, hopefully, this unit is gelling and coming together, which is 
this is about the time you'd expect that to happen after about six games. So that's certainly encouraging. And do you know what for the young lad? Like he was a he wasn't even a high pick, was he, Bolson? He was a fourth round pick out of North Dakota State and he's getting experience and I love it. You know, if he gets yeah, sixteen yeah, yeah. games at start, or even if he doesn't have a great year, as long as it doesn't cost us the Super Bowl or something. Well, you know, I, don't, I don't think he's having a bad year. I don't think he's. I think he's quite the opposite. No, I think no. he's having a pretty good. I'm just year, saying, even, so even if he yeah. does have a bad year, and yeah, we're not sure, yeah, yeah. it's like yeah, getting someone like that sixteen games or seventeen games, beg my pardon, of NFL experience at guard. That's how you're going to develop a player and you know really turn him into a good player. You're not expecting the geezer to have a 70, 80 PFF grade and be in contention for not a yet, year, the no, fourth rounder. No. But that that's exciting that he's getting that experience. He's working alongside experienced um, quality NFL starters um, across that line. They've been doing it for a long time. He'll be learning, and mm. you know that's the thing I'm excited about. But with in terms of Jackson Carmen, I, I think I mean unless there's some serious injuries and he's forced into the starting role and plays well. Yeah. I think his time in Cincinnati um, is over. Well, there we go. Right. Shall we go to the correspondence then? You finish with yeah, your I mean, you're, If you're listening to Zach on the side, son, any update on Logan Wilson? That's something I've been saying. Yeah, about no, I'm not, I'm not listening. I've just got the old twittles open, but um, I'm away from the time. I'll, I'll check back in in a minute. Well, right, let's start with your correspondence. We are, of course, at Today underscore UK on Twitter, Bengals UK on Facebook. Come and say hello. Um, you may have seen that we've got a meet-up next weekend in Manchester for the Falcons game. Uh, we've been continuing with our online tailgates. Uh, mentioned uh, we had a local Cincinnati musician on yesterday by the name of Freak Bass, and he was incredible, so... Uh, still lots of fun to be had on the tailgates before each game. But let's see what you guys out there made of yesterday's uh, victory. Jamie at Truckart Beaster, impressed with how the offense hit its strides and that covered over how bad the run defense was. Need to work on a few things as ever, but the trend is upward. On a more important point, the Scott Gibb curse is over. Um, yeah, I'm thrilled for Scott. I mentioned Scott Gibb earlier in the in the show and uh, every Bengals game that he's been to uh, they've lost or they haven't won let's put it that way I think so I'm not, I'm not sure whether that uh, Scott might want to well, Scott might want to confirm that but certainly he's seen a win uh, so that's good the curse is over VB at Von Blade Given how appalling our starts are, we need to stop scripting plays. Our big gains usually come from totally busted plays. Anyway, it's untenable. Um, not sure I agree with that one, but um, I agree that the scripted plays haven't been working. Um, yeah. Um, but I mean, there's some pretty big plays last night that weren't busted. Uh, plays were they anyway Paris Pinney Paris Pinney that was undoubtedly Burrow's best performance of the season he was patient dialed in and accurate running game is also suddenly a lot more efficient only negative is that with Tupu Reader and Wilson injured we may have a hard time stopping the run for a while I've got things to say about that uh, Paris thank you very much uh, Mike Smith at conniving underscore crow solid handle I enjoyed the win, but the poorest at times run defence is a concern, especially with the run-happy Falcons and Brownies coming to pay call soon. 
what would Lou do? Well, I think Lou would probably want to clone DJ Reader about 30 million times um, and put those guys out there, really. Uh, Phil Hatton, Bengal Blue Boy. Patient, appro- uh, patient approach to offence is key. Take the gifts, don't force. Then strike when they're de-loosens. Here, here, Phil. Well said. Um, Memphis Soul Stewart. Stuart Baird, 688. Did anyone else panic at Chase's fake hammy pull? And I have to say, I did. I put my hands up to that. For a split second, it was like, oh my... You know, he did the gritty when he scored and then he clutched his uh, right hamstring but then carried on doing it. And it's like, what, what, what is this guy trying to do to me? I'm already involved in an emotionally uh, intense game. And then I see Uno clutching at his right hamstring. Did you see it, that? The, the, cam- the camera panned away literally at the perfect point, so you didn't see him like just joking after. <laughs> well, I mean, no. The camera guy's got to hold some responsibility as well. But, yeah, it's all good fun, isn't it? Well, uh, I mean, again, doesn't doesn't aid my... Uh, blood pressure i don't think jamar jamar stop all that nonsense in the end zone will you carry on with the griddying obviously but don't don't do the fake injury thing uh slam dunk at slam dunk the funk solid handle suddenly after a depressing loss to the Ratbirds, the world in the afc north looks a lot rosier after that win yesterday first quarter was a slow affair again for the offense but hey ho onwards and upwards my friends there we go Positive vibes from uh, Slammy Donkey Funky. Uh, Paul at Picar Burns. Remember, he's very new to the NFL. And he asks, is every Sunday this stressful is my only question. And my only answer, Paul, is yes, it is. But it's not just for Bengals fans, it's for every every NFL team's fans. Uh, It's three hours of pure intensity, of pure seesaw action, and uh yeah uh it's <laughs> it's a bit of a nightmare isn't it really on a sunday night when you're trying to wind down for the evening and then suddenly by about half nine ten o'clock you're absolutely climbing the walls with i don't know what but um but uh derek davis at dd davis underscore zero two burrow looked great from the start accurate on time powerful Ooh, powerful that, derek he loves playing in domes without wind. Um, the great Joe Dini. Ah, see what he did there? Escaped for the TD scramble. Chase made some strong catches. Guys hanging all over him. Troubling results from the run D. Lou has some work to do. Mm. Daniel at London Bengal. My other, my other half said it right. Let your best player throw it to your second best player. And let the third best player kick it through the post. Simple, really. I mean, (laughs) if only it was that simple, really, uh, Daniel. Um, Chris Hood at Hooday CP. Have we turned the corner and found that team spirit even earlier than last season? If so, we could be in for a fun ride. At the very least, I'm going to be sitting pretty with Burrow, Chase and McPherson in my fantasy football team. All right, Chris, I've got T. Higgins and Joe Mixon in my uh, fantasy league and they aren't doing anything because T's sort of hobbling a little bit at the moment, isn't he? Um, Stoozy72 at Neil underscore Stewart underscore. Nice to see Tyler Boyd being used uh, a bit more this week. 
Uh, that in itself probably made the Saints D-line think twice about doubling up a chase. Good. And the, do you know, did, did you hear what they said about Tyler Boyd last, uh, when I say they, I mean Zach and Brian, they, they're aware that he's not getting enough targets and uh, they wanted to rectify that and he certainly showed up yesterday, didn't he? He made some crucial catches. Absolutely, and great to see Tyler Boyd get involved. It's hard when you've got four players on the team that are desperate for, for catches, including Hayden Hurst in that. And, you know, Joe Boyd, just there's only so many throws and yards that can go around and stuff like that. But I've got Tyler Boyd on my fantasy team. He didn't start yesterday, but he's um, he's a fantastic player, isn't he? And he's great to have. He's great on third down, great hands. And you want to try and get him involved as much as you can. He had the long touchdown a couple of weeks ago. So, you know... I'm not. I'm not worried about it, and I'm sure that you know Tyler Boyd. They're going to work him into the game plan. But you know, going back, just talking on the receivers, going back to Jamar Chase, and uh, he had obviously had a fantastic game last night. But it shows you just how how much raw talent he's got because I don't think he's really played that well at points this season. Like he had a big drop last night. He went up. I don't. Yeah, think he was going we to haven't mentioned down, that. But, I think I mentioned last night. Last season, he probably would have caught that. Well, yeah, but he, he does have some drops in him, yeah, Chase. Yeah, yeah. You know, for a guy that's that good and that has that good athleticism and agility and, you know, the like you said, the yak king, he does drop a few balls. And you think if, the, you know, like the commentator said last night, he'd it, it come down with that 99 times out of 100 and that would have padded his stats even more. So, you know, for, for as good as he is and on his 60-yarder, I mean – he just turns that geezer like he's not even there. And then I thought, oh, he's just going to run this out of bounds. And he just had the absolute speed to just turn the corner and beat his man. And you think, bloody hell, like, you know, if you're your Joe boy there and you can just, you know, you take 60 yards out of him doing the work, you're absolutely loving it. But, you know, Chase is fantastic. I think that's where Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan have really got to try and be creative about how they get him the ball. Because when he's got the ball in his hands and he's given a yard, the geese is unbelievable, and I just think they need to keep sort of doing what they can to get him the ball. And however they can do it, if teams want to put two or three on him, then obviously you've got to, you know, figure out other options and you back that you guys should win those battles. But even with two or three guys on him, like get him the ball. I mean, he is just such an outrageous threat, isn't he? Yeah. And then they touched down in Cincinnati, and then they went out for dinner at the new Jeff Ruber's um, restaurant. In another another branch has opened up in Cincinnati in Fountain Square apparently, and uh, T uh, Jima and um, and TB went to, went to dinner. I mean that's I mean we, we we should need to start doing that. I think after each episode of Cincinnati, we need to just go out. I just think we'd get the same sort of excitement as we walked into a restaurant. Do you think? <laughs> I think Jeff uh, Jeff Ruby himself would have to accompany us to our seats, and I'd be disappointed if he didn't. If we if we'd uh, rocked up at the Fountain Square, Jeff Ruby's. Yeah, we need to do that after one episode. I think uh, just just bowl into a restaurant like we're into Pizza Express. Absolutely celebrities. No, it'd be like Chicken Cottage or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Um, uh, you see what they're doing at Jeff Ruby's as well. Apparently, they they're doing a, a chocolate mousse. Like in a some sort of shoe-shaped edible shoe receptacle, and spray-painted gold or something. It's, I don't know. It's weird. It's just good to, I don't know. Jeff Ruby's going to be the new Salt Bay. No, what do you reckon? See, I. You, 
I reckon there's a there is there's a slight resemblance between you and Salt Bay. <laughs> I do genuinely. <laughs> I think I've never seen you sprinkle salt from uh, from like a high position. But I don't know. There's you know. Um, do you do that? Have you ever done that on a dinner? I don't know. Oh, I'm yeah. not sure I have, but maybe, maybe I'm missing pizzas? an opportunity here. You know? I mean, maybe I've got a hidden talent that I don't know about yet. I want, I want to see you wear a muscle vest, right? And <laughs> and then on one of your favourite, you know, fancy pizzas that you like so much, I want to see you do that whole kind of... Because, I mean, I mean, he is a knob, though, isn't he, Salt Bay? I'm not saying, I'm not saying the, re- the resemblance is because of that. <laughs> but because what he, he gets he away with, it, no, no, no. What he gets away with is is unbelievable. People pay him for that kind of stuff, don't they? But anyway, yes, we should go out for a meal after an episode of Cincinnati. They're just as you say, just down a, I don't know, Domino's or something like that. Um, get the get the waiter or waitress to get a picture of us, <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, sort of stood up in you know with our suit jackets on. And, yeah, yeah, demanding you know, fancy, fancy club demanding like the best seat in uh, I don't know whatever Burger King. We'd have to give an Ocho Cinco style tip though, wouldn't we, to back it all up? Well, that's thousands though, isn't it? Well, I don't know. You could go over a couple of hundred, couldn't you? Well, you could do if you had it, but um, anyway. <laughs> So we we digress, obviously. Martin at Dorset Bengal, I'm just enjoying having a, having a nice road win. Our glass eaters are getting there slowly. Maybe they've nibbled a bit of Perspex or China. Hopefully they'll bring out the crystal decanters next week. Well, yeah, they, maybe they will progress from glass to crystal next week. Although you don't want to you don't want to eat crystal. That's a bit, a bit of a waste, wouldn't it? Uh, especially a lovely decanter. Decanters aren't used very as uh, nearly enough these days, uh, do are they? No, it's a good point. You don't really see many decanters knocking around, do you? What, you, what do you not stick in them? Like, bro, like, feel like a bit, my generation, I feel yeah. like haven't really taken much advantage of them. So, no, always no, just no. in it like brandy or whiskey, you like. Um, yeah. Well, it, traditionally, it's brandy or whiskey. Do you remember those TV shows that? People just in just in mid conversation just used to, like most of the soap operas in America like Dallas or we're talking back to the eighties now I'm showing my age again Dallas Dynasty all that kind of stuff people just used to wander around talking to each other and then just wander over to a drinks trolley and pour themselves a drink and then then they'd walk around a bit more then the other person would walk <laughs> to the drinks trolley. And basically, they must have been like about absolutely wankered by about, you know, within an hour of getting home from work. Um, <laughs> but yeah, drinks trolleys. My parents used to have a drinks trolley, like a proper trolley, where not tucked away in a cupboard or whatever, but out on show, you know, some Advocar, so, which is disgusting, <laughs> uh, some whiskey and some brandy. My parents didn't even drink. It was just for show. Do you know what I mean? No one ever drank it, but uh, yeah, I don't know. What would you have in a decanter? What would be the modern drink to put in a decanter? Do we stick a menabrea in there, Sam? With some like <laughs> you get a decanter with like electronic like um, refrigeration around it, so you just got cold menabrea sitting yeah, in the decanter, like and you it. can just whip it open at any point and 
um, knock it around. I mean, that that would be quite nice, wouldn't it? A decanter was also a very popular prize on a lot of 1980s quiz shows. Um, Are they like, expensive? Or I mean, it's just cheap crystal, isn't it? They're not like, they just look... Well, I think, like up. anything, you can pay as, as, as much or as little as you want, really. Um, What's your birthday, sir? I feel like I could be sending you a decanter. That would be quite a nice <laughs> present. You need to get it engraved, uh, really. My birthday is at the end of March next year, and it might be quite a large one in terms of, well, in every bloody which way. But 60, son. No, we're cheeky tit. Um, no, it's uh, thankfully less than that, but still a bit uh, frighteningly. No, it's in between, Nathan, <laughs> you know it. Anyway, let's finish off with this uh, tweet, shall we, from Aurelius FC, at Aurelius FC, one of the geezers, that I'm looking forward to meeting when I go out to Cincinnati uh, in three weeks' time, I think it is. Uh, if the Bengals could stop being Charity FC, that would be great. We've donated two division rivals a victory. Um, yeah, that would be nice, wouldn't it? Um, that win against the Jets is looking uh, more impressive by the week. They're playing very well at the yeah. moment. The NFL is, is again, a bit drunk at the moment. Isn't it? The Giants are put sort of four and one or whatever it is um the eagles at five and oh the patriots beating the browns in cleveland um uh yeah it's all a bit all over the place really um got... that's why i think it's a huge win for the bengals you said three and three you're absolutely in it you're joint top yeah, of the division like you know the i think the, i think in the afc the ravens are a good team i think Obviously, the Bills and the the Chiefs are very good. I think the AFC is a lot stronger than the NFC this year. Um, obviously, the Eagles look good. You you know you fancy them, but um, yeah, it is a bit drunk, and I still I'm still not entirely sure who's um, who's the real sort of contenders this year. But that's why you've just got to keep the engine going, keep yourself in contention, stay healthy, and we we're, we're just about doing that. You know, it's been a bit. For a lot of times, it's looked a bit ropey, but we are doing it. You know, the, the engine is running. Like I, I feel good about it, and yeah. it sort of nicely segues to this Atlanta game because you've got to back us in that. You know, we're I, back at Paul Brown Stadium. So sure. I'm not so sure. Oh, we got. To, I'm, I mean, I'm worried about this Falcons game. No, I don't I know. Really I, I think this is a game where if we're serious this year, we've got to win. We can't be dropping games. No, like I agree. This. I agree. But you look at the way Atlanta's playing. Uh, I mean, they beat a good 49ers defense yesterday, and yeah. from, from what I'm hearing, from what I'm hearing, they just run the ball down people's throats, and they're also very creative uh, with personnel groupings. You know what I mean? They really put you, you know, they really test you. In t- again, it's going to be a bit like the Saints game, and if we're without DJ Reader and Josh Tupu, then. There's only going to there's only going to be one mode of attack for the Falcons, and uh, yeah. they're pretty creative. And then you throw in Kyle Picks and Drake London into that mix. Yeah, no, you're right. You're I'm right. I'm officially worried about this. Even though I agree with you, yes, it is the kind of game that we sh- if we do have playoff aspirations. But they've got the same record as us. Uh, why can't they come into Paycor? No, you're right. They're sneaky, the Falcons. They're sneaky, doing quite well considering what they've got. They are. They're probably playing a little bit above their means. And as you mentioned, that. No, I'm just gonna say, but you would think that the Bengals would have enough to beat them. You know, Uh, they're not going to be playing Jimmy Garoppolo this week. They're going to be playing Joe 
Joe Boy Burrow and Jamar Ch- Jamar Chase and Tyler <laughs> Boyd and you know T Higgins, who is I I don't think he's about eighty percent at the moment. He looked at yesterday, I think, with his ankle. Um, so yeah, but it, I'm I am officially worried about it because I think it's a game that I mean I I think you bang on with a run game for the Falcons and that you know but I, you've got to fa- you've got to believe that. If they are able to score points on us, they can run the ball against us, fair enough. But you've got to back that Joe, Joe Boy can do a bit of a job on the Falcons' defence. And if it comes down to being a bit of a shootout and a bit of a, sort of an ugly game and in terms of defensive football that we can, at home, put more on them than them, you know. So I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful here. I'm hopeful we can just push on a bit. Like I said, I think we are getting better. It's a bit... You know, two steps forward, one back at the moment. Mm. There are sort of setbacks. And I think, if we, again, if we were to lose this game, you go from sitting here this week being like, oh, yeah, you know, I feel all right. And everyone's, oh, yeah, you know, you feel a bit warm and you're quite comfortable and, you know, we're back in it. Don't worry about it. So if you were to lose and go three and four, to be like, bloody hell, you know, we're starting to fall back a bit here. This is not really, you know, any aspirations. Like, God forbid us, you know, I mean, we should be thinking about the number one seed. But you go three and four and you're looking a long way back from anything like that. So, yeah, it's one of those where I think if we were to get a win, massive four and three you'd be joint top of the division again you really start to feel good that things were coming into you know things were clicking and you're moving forward but a loss and you're really you're starting to sort of point fingers again and zach's name's getting brought up at more and you know all the play calling is you're getting batted around again so yeah it's a bit of a in the balance really this season at the moment isn't it you, you i'm still not yeah. quite <clears throat> sure we really know sort of you know, if the team's got another gear to it, I'm sure it has, and I'm sure we'll see them get better and better. But I think the Falcons game at home, I know Paycor will be um, absolutely rocking, I'm sure. Um, and I'm, I want some um, kudos from you, son. That I said Paycor first time this time. Oh, I'm, impressed. <laughs> I'm impressed. I'm I'm like the Bengals. I'm slowly improving week on week. You so. are. You are. You are. Good luck to the boys. I, I back still them. Still plenty I'm, of I'm areas. Confident. Of, still plenty of uh, areas of improvement. I have to say, Nathan. But um, uh, no, jacket. Um, no, you're right. It's. Uh, I mean, what you ideally you would want with these three winnable games coming up, you want to go into the bye week at six and three. That would be the perfect scenario. But as we all know, this team is quite inconsistent at the moment. Who knows what's going to happen in Atlanta? Uh, sorry, at against Atlanta, I should say. Then we're at Cleveland. Nick Chubb, no DJ Reader for that, probably. Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt with that running game. Ooh, it's going to be yeah, tough. Yeah, that's, that's... And that's then we play the Panthers, who... Who aren't very good, so you would expect. You know, genuinely, you would expect. Uh, would you? Would you take five and four? Some. Yeah, I would. Um, I wouldn't have a choice if it happened. But you know what I mean. Yes, I, I know what you mean. Um, yeah, but I mean, it would be lovely, wouldn't it, just to kind of have that bye week six and three, perhaps top of the division, and just dive into that back end of the season. The Chiefs, the Titans, the Bills. Bloody hell, those two teams, the Chiefs and the Bills, looked really good last night. Holy... Yeah. Piss. They look really good. Um, so we've got some improving to do to get up to that level. But, you know, but, in you other know. news, though, the Bucks look shit. The Bucks don't yeah. look good. I don't rate the Bucks this year. I, I think them and the Titans, I don't think, are as scary a games as you'd have predicted. The Titans no, I agree with that, the, yeah. 
they, you know, the Titans were the number one seed in the AFC last year. The Bucks were obviously, you know, hotly fancied with Brady coming back and everything else. And they've got some fantastic players on that defense. But, you know, they lost to the bloody Steelers like we did. So, yeah. like you said, the NFL, it is a bit drunk. It's hard week to week to sort of nail on some predictions. But I, I do think that those games will be easier than we think. For sure, the Chiefs and the Bills are going to be spicy affairs. But you'd like to, <clears throat> you'd like to get your business done before you're desperately needing to win those games to get into the playoffs. And as you said, you know, five and four, you're feeling like, yeah, all right. But it means you've got to win quite a few of those games down the stretch to to guarantee yourself to get into the playoffs. Um, But crucially, if you're six and three, like you said, going into that bye week, I think that's realistically when you'd be looking at a DJ really return after that bye week as well. Give him another month to just get really in the right place and that would obviously be a massive boost for us. Oh, by the way, the the way Zach has has just said that uh, he hopes Logan Wilson will be a week-to-week thing. Okay, that's all right. That's fine. That's fine. But that's yet to be confirmed. He doesn't know yet. Um, he, he, if that that's that's fine, you know. If we even like Logan Wilson's top part of that defense, as long as he's back down the stretch, you know, we can afford to lose people for a few weeks. Yeah. But you just don't want to be in a position where you're losing key players for the rest of the season or anything like that. So that's all right. We can we can live without him for a few weeks and as next man or next man up, soldier on. You know, we just need to keep people available for when it'll matter down the stretch. Hmm. Well, plenty to play for, but we're back in the mix, three and three, of course. Um, uh, just to say, we do, uh, I mentioned it before, but I'll mention it again, we do have the meet-up this Sunday, so if you're in the Manchester or northwest area, or even if you want to travel down or across or up to Manchester for that meetup, it's at the English Lounge. Hold on a sec. Let's just... So that strip club? Um... I don't think it's a strip club, Nathan. It's a jolly nice booze. You sure it's not, or are you just you don't think? I am is? sure it's not. I am sure it's not. <laughs> it is the English Lounge on uh, High Street, Manchester. Uh, of course, uh, we'll have the Falcons game live for you. It's upstairs. We've got our own little private room, so do go up. Uh, Jamie Rose uh, going to be handling that one up there. So do go along and keep him company. Let's hope for the win. Uh, we, I think there will be an online tailgate on Sunday afternoon, uh, 4.30, uh, on Twitter, Facebook, and, uh, YouTube. And, uh, Nathan and I will be back next Monday to discuss all the ins, the outs, the comings and the goings, uh, from the Falcons game. So, with all that in mind, it is a who day from me. And a who day from me. Cheers, guys.
And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.